There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, and it's time for a very special edition of the Tim McKernan Show. It's the PGA Championship edition. Uh, not only will we go into uh, what I think is some of the uh, background on why Bell Reeve in particular is getting criticized, uh, and then also my my counsel to area golf fans on some of the criticism, uh, but then also taking a look at some of the numbers for this tournament. Uh, and if I can advise from a gambling standpoint, I will attempt to do so. Now, I have to be candid with you on this whole thing. Back when I was learning the game of poker, which eventually I, I don't want to say I became good at, but I certainly became profitable to the point that I could kind of count on a certain amount of money per year for a few years before uh, the online game was shut down, um, that I was a fish, lost a lot of money, and then I would read books, which I enjoyed reading. A lot of them were pretty boring and, and certainly hard reads because it's very math-oriented. But as I was reading these books written by poker pros, part of me wondered, as part of the level, the metagame of poker, if the pros were intentionally writing books with bad strategies to then grow the player pool of shitty players. I legitimately wondered this. So when I listen to daily fantasy sports podcasts or read websites with daily fantasy sports advice, I legitimately wonder, and I can't prove it, I'm just telling you I wonder, uh, how much of it is sincere advice and how much of it is people trying to shift people to one direction so as to make players that they actually really do like less popular and therefore less owned and therefore increasing their chances of winning. Because I assure you, if they were to win a huge sum on DraftKings, and it doesn't even have to be the millionaire prize, that would be greater than their income on the podcast. I can I can tell you that from a place of experience. I can just tell you a place from listening to the podcast and not hearing much advertising on their podcast. So I'm telling you that's something I wonder about. I'm not saying that is the case at all. I'm just saying I wonder about it. So I sit here sometimes, for example, I was playing a match in golf a couple of weeks ago. Lost. Absolute implosion. It was a, it's a tribute to Jean Vandeveld, how I, how I absolutely pissed myself. I'm, I'm, em, I'm embarrassed by it, actually. I didn't know I had that in me to, uh, to, to piss myself like that. It was Ankeel-esque with, uh, with throwing the ball over the place, Steve Sachs. Uh, it, was, it was a debacle. And I recall, I, as we were walking, great guy who beat me was a great guy, and he didn't really play well either, uh, but I just played so badly uh, that I lost after being up like two up on the back nine, so it's just terrible. But anyway, the point is, we were just bullshitting as we were walking along the course, and uh, and he said, yeah, you putt, you putt pretty well. You always seem to give yourself a chance. And I said, oh, yeah, well, I learned, you know, something that's really worked for me with putting is, you know, Dave Pels is a great putter. He instructed, he instructs people to aim 17 inches past the cup because that's going to give you a true roll on your putts. 
And so many amateur players and high handicappers are scared of three-putting, so they kind of pussy it up there, and then they leave it way short, and then they pussy it up there on the next one, and then they three-jack it. So I go for it. It makes my roll true. Uh, it takes some of the break out. If you're hitting it properly and aiming 17 inches past the cup, and it's helped me increase my one putts and uh, certainly reduce three putts by doing that. So as we're walking the green, I'm saying this, this is part of a conversation. I think the match is all square at this point. And then what happens? He has like a 20-foot putt for that he has to hit for par, and he drains the thing. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck did I just do? Why would I, why would I like give my strategy on putting, which has certainly helped me improve, and I've gone from like an 11 back in February, I'm down to an 8, not that that's glamorous or anything, but I'm a single-digit player, and I'm, you know, what what am I doing? So so when I sit here and I talk about daily fantasy sports and PGA Championship in Belle Reve, part of me wants to keep what I think is actually good information private because what's my upside on this? If I'm wrong, I'll get hate mail and or shade tweets and Facebook posts about, oh, nice pick on so-and-so, and he you know shoots 10 over and doesn't make the cut, uh, or a really good call on the numbers being low for the PGA Championship when the winner's like 8-under. I get nothing out of it. Charlie Marlowe and I always talk about this. There's no point in ever posting thoughts on betting because you cannot win because eventually you're going to lose, and then you get attacked on it. But I'm willing to do it here because I, I it's a St. Louis event. I'm super into it, and if you're listening to this, you're, you have to be into it as well because it's a PGA Championship podcast. If you're, if you're not into the PGA Championship and you're listening to this, I don't know what, what you're doing. But this is going to be centered on the PGA Championship. Um, and, uh, and so I'll talk daily fantasy sports and some plays and also some gambling plays on it. I listen to these things. I don't know if they're being honest. I'm telling you I'm being honest, and maybe you'll wind up making a bunch of money based on my picks, and then I lose a bunch of money, and I'll, I'll never, ever share stuff again. But we'll, we'll, run this, uh, we'll run this experiment this time. So with that all said, that's what we have for you. It's not a question from the audience, but it is me just talking for a while uh, about the PGA Championship. Do with it uh, what you want. It's all presented by uh, Mark Hanna. Now, I don't know about you, but from my standpoint, I have a major regret about how I manage my money in my 20s and my 30s. I'm almost embarrassed by it, uh, but there is someone who can help you, and it doesn't matter what age you are, but I know a lot of you are in your 20s and in your 30s, but it doesn't matter if you're in your 40s, 50s, or 60s. To have somebody as a financial advisor, and especially this this particular gentleman, uh, it's so helpful in life. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is the guy. I met with Mark, and I was thinking it would be good to have a new sponsor on the podcast. Of course, it's a business. Uh, but I want to find out if he knows what he's talking about. And sure enough, after talking to him about 10 minutes in, I'm saying to myself, I wish I would have known Mark 20 years ago because I would be in a different position now by managing my money smartly then. And that's the key that people don't necessarily think about when it comes to managing money. And it's so important. Mark, he opened his iPad and he entered the dollar figures. And it can be for your 401k, it can be for savings, your investments, whatever. And he puts you, your family on the right path for what you want. He helps people every day and he helps everyday people build a strategy to get to their financial goals. He helps build a strategy to put your kids through college, to keep you from having to work until you're 95 years old, and to not get blasted on taxes and make sure your family is taken care of in case the unthinkable happens. His name is Mark Hanna. Give him a call at 314-889-0503. Let him know the Tim McKernan Show sent you. Or you can check him out online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth. Strategies. He 
is the guy. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly is taking off either today or tomorrow for Wyoming to climb the Grand Teton. And listen, uh, he doesn't have to do it, but he is doing it because he passionately believes in giving back. And listen, you're, this is the third time that he has done this. It's the fourth annual climb for the kids. Uh, for one of them, his wife was about to give birth, so he didn't go. Uh, I think we can all understand that. But uh, for the other now three others, he's been the one climbing the mountain along with his team, and and he's petrified of heights, but he wants to give back. That's the kind of person he is. He could just cut a check and do great things. Instead, he wanted to make sure that he raised $50,000 by doing this. That's the kind of person you're doing business with. And also, if you listen to him on this podcast, uh, as he has been a recent guest, what an entrepreneurial story. And then also, the other thing that I, that I noted outside of the entrepreneurial spirit and his grind and moving all of his money, his family's money, as in he and his wife's money, not like inherited money, into the middle, he, he he's really sharp. I think people go, God, he's just so high energy and you know, and he has a great advertising campaign and that's why he's successful. And yeah, those things are true, but he's also really smart. And that is why he's able to save his clients money, become one of his clients, the home whether it be for a cash out refi or you're buying a house, uh, go online at the home the studio sponsor of the Tim McKernan show. Okay. So here's what we got going on this week. We have the PGA Championships in St. Louis. Of course, you know that. But here's here's where I'm going with this discussion before I get into daily fantasy and gambling plays and things of that ilk. We have kind of a textbook situation with regard to St. Louis. It strikes me that St. Louisans are comfortable shitting on St. Louis. But if someone who is not from St. Louis, and you can be somebody like the Cat or Derek Gould, who have been here for nearly 20 years at this point, and still not necessarily be considered a St. Louisan by some because they weren't born here, and if one of those people shits on St. Louis, well, then we have a problem. So again, the theory is it's cool for St. Louisans to shit on St. Louis, hashtag our town, whatever the case might be. But if somebody not from here shits on St. Louis, then it becomes an attack on that person as opposed to the actual criticism itself or the message itself. And so what is going on in corners, not even corners, in, in I think to an extent, mainstream national, international golf coverage regarding Bell Reeve has led to some people being pissed off at the likes of David Duvall, uh, Frank Nabilo, Brandel Chambly of the Golf Channel, and then also some writers. Uh, and we had on the Ryan Kelly morning after on Wednesday, we had Michael Collins of ESPN and the PGA Radio Network on. And my theory on the shitting on this particular element of St. Louis, which is the PGA Championship, is that it's not shitting on St. Louis, and it's not even really shitting on Bell Reeve. So I want to try and explain this, and maybe it'll allow you to enjoy this event a little bit more and then not, like, seek out guys on Twitter who are being critical of the Greens at Bell Reeve or Bell Reeve and just enjoy the fact that, oh, Tiger Woods is playing 10 minutes from where I live, or, oh, there's Ricky Fowler competing for his first ever major, or, oh, there's uh, there's uh, there's uh, Jordan Spieth competing for his first ever career Grand Slam. All of these potential storylines as opposed to the occasional uh, criticism 
of Bell Reeve or the Greens. So hopefully this will this will help. Maybe it won't, but it's my attempt. This is the 100th PGA Championship. When they played the 100th U.S. Open, they made sure it was at Pebble Beach. The 150th British Open, Open Championship, Open, is going to be played at St. Andrews in a few years. It is my belief that people around the game of golf, as in the people really into it, the people who a lot of you hate, and I think part of that is a class thing, and by that I mean, oh, they're rich dudes and fuck them, I think that comes into play, although I can't imagine people would admit that, but I think that goes on. But not, I digress. Uh, that, uh, that they believe that while Bell Reeve is a great course, the 100th PGA Championship should have been at a more storied golf course than Bell Reeve. So that is something that is not reflecting on St. Louis. That's not something that's reflecting on Bell Reeve, as a matter of fact. That is, I think, part of it. So they came into it going, why Bell Reeve for the 100th? And I got to tell you something, as much as I'm excited about it, I was surprised by it. Now, to, to further it, something that it was an awkward spot for a lot of people who were following this because the people on the inside, and I'm talking about, I had a conversation with somebody uh, over text who I would consider to be in the golf community. And this person said, when I asked him about an event that was canceled at Bell Reeve in late May or early June, that was a corporate sponsor event, uh, and they didn't say why, but it became rumored that it was because of issues with the Greens, and this is in late May, early June, uh, that it was talked about that Bell Reeve was having real problems with their greens. And then everybody and their brother had a quote-unquote source on this, and it just became a rumor around St. Louis. But understandably, nobody at the PGA or nobody at Bell Reeve's going to go on the record with this thing. But it goes back a couple of years, and that's it's not because I'm some Bell Reeve member or anything like that, but that they, they, they had a new system come in, and they had some issues with the greens. And so there became some problems with the greens. So when you hear people saying, oh, it was the heat of the summer— I would tell you that that is misleading because this issue goes back before the heat of the But you didn't have people covering it because either people who cover sports in the market, it's not something that they would cover, and I don't blame them for that. They're covering the Blues. They're covering the Cardinals, occasionally covering Missouri, St. Louis U. But, so I get it. And on top of it, you're not going to have people go on the record. So you're, you're reporting hearsay, and that gets into a weird spot. Um, plus it's a St. Louis event and you've seen how, uh, people who have played in major golf tournaments and won major golf tournaments are being received when they're critical of it. Can you imagine being a St. Louis reporter and being critical of it? Especially when a lot of people who are acknowledging that they're being critical of it aren't necessarily people who play the game of golf. Fuck them. You know, I have to go in and work 10 hours a day and they're unhappy with the greens. And I, listen, I understand that, but we're talking about apples and oranges here. So getting into the weeds on the whole thing. Since it was well-known in the St. Louis golf community, it was also well-known in the national and international golf community about the green situation and how they were having some issues with them. And, and therefore, I think you have some people who already weren't happy uh, that the 100th playing was being played at Bell Reeve, not because they're anti-St. Louis or anti-Bell Reeve, but they just feel like it should be at one of the top 10 storied courses in the country. 
Uh, and then they hear about the Greens, and then they go, well, this even this, this proves me right even more. And then, oh, it's really hot in St. Louis in, in June, July, and August. Who would have thought? And so then what they say is, see, the 100th PGA Championship should have been a take-your-pick-of-whatever, Baltus Rawl, Oakmont, whatever. Uh, and they should have had St. Louis host it when it's in May, starting whether it be next year or the following May, the following May, and that was dumb. The issue with that, which you're hearing a lot of, uh, is that they didn't make that decision to move it to May until uh, recently, as in within the last few months. Now, it had been talked about for a little while, but it's now official. So you have the Players' Championship in March, the Masters in August, the PGA now in May, the U.S. Open in June, uh, the Open in, uh, in in July, and then they won't go up head-to-head, which is smart, with football. In September, they'll move all the FedEx Cup playoffs into August. I think that's a I think that's a very smart move. I think the NHL should look at doing something along those lines. I just don't know what the hell they would do with their schedule. So they're not a head-to-head with the NBA Finals, and they can own uh, a time period uh, and hopefully grow that uh, game's fan base. And perhaps the MLS could do something simple. You don't want to be up against the NFL is my overall point. Take advantage of a month that is still a little slow, and August certainly would be it. So I get it, and I agree with it, but the point is it wasn't an option up until a few months ago, so it's kind of results-oriented. But I think that's it. And so people are saying, well, if this were played in May, Bell Reeves Greens would have been fine, and that actually is not That's not correct. Uh, I also think people don't want to go after Bell Reeve or the superintendent, so they're using that as the discussion. So... You know, Michael Collins, who's on ESPN and also on uh, PGA uh, Radio, uh, was on with us uh, this morning on uh, TMA. And this is this is what he said. And he said, if you're a St. Louis golf fan, don't get mad at the people criticizing the course. Be mad at the people who brought the tournament here at this time. Can you imagine how great it would be if the PGA Championship were here in May? And that sounds good. The thing is, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you are a St. Louisan or spent some part of your life in St. Louis, and therefore you know that it's not like May is 80 degrees and sunny. It's it, I don't know what month we have here that you go, that's the best weather. I think I'd move my action on in September, uh, but sometimes September can be hot as hell. Uh, the first few weeks of October, usually just the tits, but like by the time the Cardinals are playing, whether it be the Tigers or Rangers, you're freezing your balls off in Bush Stadium. So it just, it changed. It's just the situation with this part of the country. It's the nature of the beast. I mean, I love living in in, in Jupiter, Florida, but, you know, at this time of year in August, a lot of people down there have already bolted up north because it's so hot. It's just things that you you navigate. So to say it would have been perfect if it were in May is, is just, that's a misnomer, and it's convenient to what I think is the overall premise, which is Bell Reeve's great. It just isn't great enough to host the 100th PGA championship. This is, these criticisms are not a shot at St. Louis. It's not like, yeah, and then you lost the fucking Rams too. Uh, it's not a, oh, remember the MLS vote or, you know, Ferguson or, you know, the city's dying or whatever, whatever things it would be. It's not related to that. I across the board. It's not, I just, it's not related to that. Uh, I think that Bell Reeve 100th and then the greens issue is the core of it. 
regarding the Greens specifically, we're recording this on Wednesday. Ideally, you're going to be listening to it over the next 24 hours because at some point it's going to become outdated, whereas a lot of our interviews are evergreen. I would really recommend the Courtney Bryant interview this week. Rich Gould a couple weeks ago, awesome. And then Ryan Kelly, his entrepreneurial story, super inspiring. Three different types of interviews. And Mike Shannon is coming up uh, this week. Um, So... Regarding the greens specifically, we don't know how it's going to play. Tiger Woods yesterday said, yeah, they're probably not the best greens we're, we're going to play. But, uh, you know, when they're slow, you can put some heat on them is what he said. In other words, hit the ball harder, and that can take some of the break out of it. So I think, here is what I think. I think by Thursday night, some of the people on the Golf Channel have been critical, some of the golf media, I think it will be in the rearview mirror. Uh, I think the topic will be how low the scores are and how low the scores eventually will be for the winner, whoever that might be. But uh, I think the topic of the greens was something people came to town having heard about. Then they took some pictures of some splotchy spots, some spots that looked spray painted, and then just advanced a narrative that they knew they were going to talk about on the couple days where you're killing time and filling time and or articles. That's what I think. So don't take it personally. Don't let it ruin your time with whether it be your parents or whether with your kids or with your wife or with your husband, boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe you're enjoying the less popular MFF. Whatever it is, don't let it ruin your enjoyment of the 100th PGA Championship being in St. Louis. I, I would advise, I, I never advise like tweeting back at people, although I recognize a good number of the audience enjoys doing it and giving them shit. But if you, you know, I just, just recognize that I think they're filling time and came to this thing with the narrative. Now, if you have players on Thursday and Friday bitching about the greens, then the game has changed. I just don't think that's going to happen. I told the story on TMA about a friend of mine running into Tommy Fleetwood uh, last night away from the course, and he asked him about the greens, and he said, they're fine. He said, we're just really spoiled. So, you know, again, if it impacts putts and it becomes Chambers Bay, different situation. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Rory McIlroy said at his uh, gathering yesterday that the greens actually roll a lot better than they look. So in other words, yeah, they might look rough to the trained eye, but they're rolling true. So they're just slow. And when they're slow and when you hear the term soft, what that means is, is whereas a lot of times when you see majors, picture the masters, for example, and guys hit their approaches or they're hitting tee shots on par threes, the ball will hit, and then it's going to roll whichever direction, or it might roll off, as you saw at Carnoustie. Well, it would. This that's you're just not going to see that this weekend. You're not going to see much of it. Let me put it that way. Uh, I told the story on TMA regarding following Brooks Kepka for his practice round, the two-time U.S. Open champion, the reigning U.S. Open champion, and watching him uh, tee off on three, the par three. I think it was playing about 175, 180. For him, that's probably a seven or eight iron, and. He hit the ball, was all over the flag stick, maybe 10 yards at the most short, probably within 10 yards, and it just plugged and created a monster crater and then just stuck. And that's what they mean when they say soft. It's not going to roll much in the fairways, so whoever can carry the ball in the air has a huge advantage. Tiger Woods said that himself. And then for these guys who can throw darts, they're so good that you're just going to have a monster advantage if you are down the fairway and you're close to the pin, uh, as you always would, but now you can throw, because these guys are so good, they can just throw darts and not worry about, oh, it's going to roll off, or I have to worry about, as long as you get to the right quadrant on these monster greens at Belle Reve, 
you're going to have birdie opportunities, which then gets us to some of the gambling elements in, in daily fantasy. Um, it's been talked about, again, talking about in the golf community, of which I do not consider myself a part. I'm talking about players and people who are actually really in it and players who are scratch or plus handicaps. I am certainly not one of those people, but I know a number of them and talked with a number of them. And going back to Mayish, Junish, so before the record-breaking heat, uh, I remember one of the people, uh, and we were talking about it, and I didn't even ask about the score, because why would you be thinking about the score then? said, somebody is going to finish and win this thing around 20 under because they're not going to be able to make the greens firm, and they're just going to throw darts, and these guys are going to carve it up. And that's just what's going to happen. Then you add in, that, so that was said in May or June, then you add in the rain that we had in the St. Louis area on Tuesday, and some possibility for rain on Saturday and Sunday, and it's just going to be soft. Now, that doesn't mean St. Louis is bad in a dying city. It means Belle Reeves greens aren't in the greatest of shape that you normally would have for a major, and therefore they can't cut them down, and therefore they won't be firm, which means these guys will fire balls in, and they're the best in the world. They're going to be able to bomb it, and so they're going to be hitting wedges in, and they're going to stick it. And so you're going to see low scores. A bet that I love, and I had somebody texting me during TMA and saying they couldn't find it, and I'm going to Bovada is where I was looking, uh, and I want to make sure that it's it's up. And I hate to say this because if it doesn't happen, then it's going to be on Sunday afternoon. I'm going to get all these fucking tweets and emails and people bitching about it. But I'm going to talk about it anyway because I consider it to be such a good bet uh, is, is the total score for the winner. So we'll do some math here. St. Louis U High Math, uh, it's a par 70. There are four rounds, and therefore the total even par for the weekend will be 280. The over-under that I saw before going to bed last night, and now I can't find it, so maybe it really is gone. This is going to tilt me because this was going to be how I was going to pay for my son's uh, college. Uh, The over-under on Bovada was 267 for the winning score. So if somebody shot 13-under, or lower, and by lower I mean 13 under, 14 under, 15 under, and so on, the under covered. Uh, and now I don't see it. I'm going to have to dig into this and see if I can find it. My point being, I, rarely in life do you have sports plays where you go, oh my God, I wonder how much I can put on this because I love it so much. And this would be one of those categories. Uh, now when somebody wins it with 12 under, then you can tweet at me about how wrong I was. And hopefully what that will do is, is fulfill a void in your life, uh, that is, that is present because of lack of, uh, sexual experiences, financial satisfaction. Uh, maybe there's some, uh, eating habits that you're not that happy about. And so then you can create that Twitter profile with the dog avatar, maybe a flag or a scripture reading, and then motherfuck me about being wrong about this. But I'm telling you that 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 number is so low that it has absurd value. I just I, the odds of somebody winning this thing with a score of uh, less than 13 under, uh, or in other words, they shoot a 268 and that wins over four days is surprising. What do we have? It's still there, and what is it? Oh, it's now 267 and a half. So there's been some movement, but that's in a good way because it's 267 and a half. Woot. So we've just got a half. Wow. So now, you know, I mean, my God, 
Uh, so anyway, now it's minus 115, so you got to lay 115 to win 100. But it's up there. It's on Bovada. Um, uh, maybe you'll find a better number. But just from my standpoint, I mean, I love that. And I and I and I if I I might go out to Bell Reeve uh, this afternoon for practice rounds, and if I talk to some people, and I say, "What do you think of that?" They will go, "Oh my God, really?" So do with that what you want. And uh, when you know some random like Rich Beam ships it with a, a two seventy one, then you can you can hate mail me. But that I I haven't seen a play like this in so long, uh, and I'm, and maybe it comes from you know some of the information that I'm privy to wasn't you know isn't necessarily in the mainstream lexicon and it sounds super low uh considering a it's a par 70 and b it's a major for somebody to win it with better or with with being 13 under uh that seems like a really low number for a major but i'm just telling you it's the opinion of tiger woods jordan spieth dustin johnson jim furick the Ryder cup captain that the numbers are going to be super low. Pat Perez said on his show with Michael Collins last night, 20 under was going to be the number. Uh, Michael Collins on our show this morning said it's going to be in the 16-ish range. So you have some cushion there. Jay Randolph Jr. was theorizing somebody could be in the 61, uh, possibly on this thing. And again, that's not an indictment of the city of St. Louis. It's just the circumstances of the golf course. And maybe it won't happen. Go ahead and be, well, shit, man, you you give me these, this daily fantasy and you lose 70% of your investment every week or every time you do it, so I'm going to fade you. Wouldn't blame you at all. But this this opinion isn't necessarily my opinion. This is a combination of, like, the guys who are playing it and guys who are close to the game who then talk to the players away from the microphones. So do with that what you want. Personally, that's all you need. From my standpoint, that's all you need. But. We're not in the business of just doing all you need. We want to give you more, and so that's what we will do. So let's take a look at some of the numbers for the winners of the 2018 PGA Championship and see if there's anything that uh, jumps out to you as you hear the numbers. All right, so what are the numbers on to win it? Dustin Johnson plus 800. He is the favorite. So you put down 100, you win 800. Uh, A lot of people are really high on Rory McIlroy, and that continues to seem to surge up. Over the course of the week, uh, that right-to-left ball flight playing into the uh, dogleg lefts, which are so prevalent at Bell Reeve, uh, he is at plus 1,200. Justin Thomas is at plus 1,200. But interestingly enough, on DraftKings, on the Millionaire Maker, uh, he is priced below Tiger Woods. Now, people go, how in the hell is that possible? It's a great question. Here's the answer. They put out the salaries of players before last week at Bridgestone. So Justin Thomas put on a clinic there. Well, they already put out the salaries. And Tiger Woods looked bad at Bridgestone, in particular on the weekend, and he had been moving in the right direction. Hell, it's less than three weeks from him leading on Sunday at the Open. So that's the context. Justin Thomas is tied for second as the favorite to win this thing. But if you go to DraftKings for your daily fantasy play, he is actually uh, the sixth uh, most expensive play. So there could be some perceived value in there. Now, if we get into the weeds on talking fantasy, uh, daily fantasy, now this is a thing that I realize some people go, you know, you're, you're going too, too attempting to go too meta or you are going too meta, but it's so much about game theory and, and it's finding value on players that you just don't think are going to have a lot of ownership. Uh, so, for example, the projected ownership on Justin Thomas, per the site I use, is 21 to 25%. Uh, that is very high. 
Jason Day, surprisingly very high at 21 to 25%. Um, Dustin Johnson, relatively speaking, is low, but it also is because he's the most expensive player at 11,400 on DraftKings. Uh, Justin Thomas is at 21 to 25%, and he's at 9,700. Uh, so, you know, you want to take a look at some of the players who are you think could win, but who would be contrarian to the field. And that's the way to try and put these teams together. Personally, I like a guy like Patrick Cantlay. My reasoning is uh, he has been playing really well as of late. He's not a he's not a household name for the casual fan, and uh, at eighty four hundred, I think that's a great value. He has the same projected ownership as Tiger Woods. Let's talk Tiger Woods. As much as I would love to see Tiger Woods in the red and the black on Sunday afternoon, about ten minutes from my house, I'm not sure we're going to see Tiger Woods in St. Louis on Saturday and Sunday, and I hate that. Uh, his press conference yesterday. You know, Jay Randolph Jr. and I were talking about it. I think this was a conversation that was off the air. I think I think what took place yesterday with him not being able to go out and play was a source of frustration because of the rain. Again, not mad at St. Louis. It's the rain. It happens. I think he was really planning on getting some work on the course because he hasn't played it since 2001. And when you had that, it was a different golf course. There's been a redesign since. Uh, and I also, you look at his club head speed, as they point to on the Golf Channel all the time and how it's been going down. I do think there's something to some potential fatigue there. And Michael Collins flat out said, what is he doing playing so many tournaments? He didn't used to do that. And I just think that uh, he's, he is tired. And I think he knows that with not having the ball be able to roll and it being a, a golf course that, that favors right to left play, that this might not be as weak. And he, as being the competitor he is, is a little like, oh, crap, I got to go out here and then I'm not going to play great. And people are saying that they're going to say this and that and, you know. I could be wrong, and I on this one, man, do I ever hope I'm wrong because there'd be nothing better than Tiger Woods winning uh, his first major in a decade and have it happen at Belle Reve. I would love that because it, it would go down to be part of the 30 for 30, the movies. It would be everything. The book, uh, I just worry that's a player personally. I'll certainly, because I'm going to have 170 rosters, uh, he'll certainly be on them. Uh, hell, there'll be, every, there'll be PGA, you know, uh, pros on there, and I'm not talking about like the pro pros. I'm talking about the guys who like give you lessons at clubs on there when you have 170 rosters. But I don't know if I'll have any more than like 10 to 15 Tiger Woods rosters, just because I worry it's not going to be his week. So what are we looking for when we're building our team? What am I looking for when I'm building my 170 teams? Distance. Uh, that is that's the key. Uh, Michael Collins flat out said something that I've been thinking now it's out. Not, not that it was like proprietary information or something that you ne even needed to know your ass from a hole in the ground to know, but he flat out said, considering the conditions, considering the golf course, if you can't fly it 300 yards, you aren't winning this week in St. Louis. So if you want to take that approach, ixnay the guys who can't do it, just do it. It makes, the, it makes putting the rosters a hell of a lot easier to do. Uh, now, maybe he'll be wrong. Tweet at Michael Collins. Uh, but that was his, he, he didn't even think twice about that. And keep in mind, he does a show every Tuesday night with Pat Perez, who's played pretty well this year. Uh, and they, they talked about the importance of distance. Of course, you want to take the rough out of place. So you want some accuracy with that bombing. But uh, you also just need that distance. And so, for example, watching Kepka on two 
uh, hitting driver. His first two balls yesterday in his practice round, he hit three. He hit the bunker on the right side of that dog leg on two. Uh, then it looked like, based on the ball flight as I watched it off the club, uh, it looked like he then played a draw, even though he's more of a left-to-right player uh, on his second one, and he was within 100 yards of the green after uh, his drive on, you know, I mean, it's a monstrous hole, but that's what these guys can do. And so, you know, there's a 610-yard par 5. There are only two par 5s with the course plan as a 70. It's number 8. And uh, Jay Jr. was talking about Dustin Johnson hitting driver 3-iron in for a 610-yard hole. And you just go, you know. I mean, it's a, it's just a different world. And if you're sitting there putting for eagle on a 610-yard hole and then you line up the other 150 or so players in the field, how many guys can do that? And so it separates those guys from the pack, and that's where the strokes are gained. So, you know, with regard to Bell Reeve, that to me is the thing that I was focusing on already. Then you have Michael Collins flat out say, if you can't carry at 300, don't even bother. Um, so then who do we focus on? Who can bomb it? Uh, some algorithms that I have been entering in and then taking a look at the results, have had uh, Bryson DeChambeau as a, a good value play at 7,900. And then if you wanted to bet on Bryson DeChambeau, for the record, uh, let's take a look at what that number would be. But either way, I'll get to the number, but either way, Michael Collins said he's just not right right now mentally. It was a tough uh, couple of weeks for him uh, overseas and he just doesn't think he's in the right place mentally. He's plus 7,500. So if you bet 100, you win 7,500 on DeChambeau. The guy Michael Collins liked uh, the most, a bomber, a guy who has played really well in the majors this year. He's been in the mix in the mall, and that's Tony Finau. Uh, and that's a guy I was high on going into it anyway. And he's priced at 8,100, a guy that he didn't talk about, uh, but is a guy that I personally like, and I know I'm going to be having a lot of him on my teams, is Bubba Watson. I feel like with Bubba Watson, he's priced at 8000 The setup of Bell Reeve really works for him. Uh, now, he's a right-to-left player. He's a lefty, but it's right-to-left, fades the ball, and bombs it, and he can do some things with that ball. And so I could see him really being a factor this weekend. And at 8000 I like that play quite a bit. Um, and as far as the guys at the, at the most expensive I, I can't help but be caught up in the McElroy thing. He's playing well. The course fits his style, and I could see that really being uh, a, a run for Rory McElroy to win another PGA championship. This isn't somebody I'll be pulling for unless it really works for my DraftKings teams. P. Reed, uh, at, uh, he's plus 4,000. He's 8,900 on DraftKings. Another right-to-left ball flight. Uh, I could see him doing some damage on this. I agree with Michael on Fina. I was on him as well. And then if you want to go into some that, that would, would fall into the category of what would be upsets uh, and certainly uh, not by any means players that are household names to the casual golf fan and, and less expensive on, on DraftKings, um, I've been on him all year. It's, it's kind of like at this point I don't want to move off of him just because I feel like it's going to hit at some point. But the thing about him is he can have great Thursdays and Fridays, and it seems like he just falls apart on the weekends, and that's Luke List. Another guy who can bomb it. Um, he's 7,100 on DraftKings. 
And as far as him winning the actual event, he is at plus 12,500 if you wanted to throw a small taste on him. Charles Howell III is a guy who doesn't win, but he seems to make a lot of cuts. And he was at the top of that uh, long drive contest they had on Tuesday for a long time. DeChambeau wound up winning it. I think Finau was second, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, uh, you know, if uh, the great triple sticks can can get it going that could be a sneaker play uh because he has the distance as well and a lot of consistency you know people when i when i get into the daily fantasy stuff they'll say well who's a lower cost player because you got to fill out your roster especially if you're going to have your dustin johnson's and Roy mcelroy's and justin thomas's then you have to have players in the six thousands um and so i asked some people to try and get an idea because a lot of these names i just candidly i don't recognize um one name i was given was michael kim uh, certainly inexpensive relative to uh, a lot of these guys. Michael Kim's only 6,800. Uh, here's a guy that I used to just kind of laugh about because it irritated me he won the Masters because I felt like he didn't really win it. Jordan Spieth lost it, and that's Danny Willett. Uh, he's been playing really well. 7,000, and he'd be a low-owned player. And so, you know, I don't know about Bell Reeve working for him, uh, but... His projected ownership is zero to one. And again, it's not necessarily about who you think is going to win per se as considering making cuts. So you get points all weekend long and then also being on players that everybody else, especially if you're playing the millionaire maker, where you have 160 some odd thousand rosters where you have an edge from a game theory standpoint that everybody's zigging and you're zagging. And when you and if you are going to max out and put in 150 rosters, as we are uh, with the Tam Avenue Capital Partners. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to have some randoms in there. I mean, it can't just all be Dustin Johnson and then pair him with you know you gotta you gotta you gotta play that way. So you know going in, you're gonna have some rosters that you look at and go, oh my God, there's no effing way this is gonna compete. But you know you throw the dart and, and and give it a shot. So who do I who who is my pick? My actual pick to win? My pick's Mark Leishman. Uh, he's at 7,800 on DraftKings. Uh, I feel like his game is there for uh, winning a major. He is kind of, I think, in the Finau category. That was why Collins picked Finau. You have the distance, and then you also have a guy who has been uh, winning tournaments over the last couple of years, but seven of the eight last uh, eight PGA Championship winners are first-time major winners, and for whatever reason, it seems to favor that. Leishman can bomb, and uh, I think he is going to be there in the mix on Sunday. So that is where my play is, and if you want to actually put cash on him, he is playing at plus 6,600. So there is your gambling. There is your daily fantasy sports. And there is what I'm hoping is some uh, therapy on criticism regarding Bell Reeve. Overall, my final thought is this. In 1992, uh, I was sitting on the couch at my uh, aunt and uncle's house for Father's Day. And I recall the U.S. Open was on. It was at Pebble Beach. Tom Kite wound up winning. And I remember falling asleep watching it because I, the only place I played golf, I was about to turn 16, uh, was Tower T. And I, you know, I mean, so the, uh, the, the, the narrative, so to speak, regarding me coming from money or anything like that uh, is certain. Uh, we enjoy playing around with it on TMA, but it is not uh, true. Uh, in the sense that I grew up and my family still lives in, on the South Side, and I love the South Side, and so when I so for me watching golf on television is so boring, 
because the only thing I knew was like an 80-yard shot at Tower T with a guy next to you with his shirt off and then somebody driving by on Higgy Road screaming four as if they were, you know, doing George Carlin and Richard Pryor caliber material. That's what I knew about golf. And then the only course I played where you actually take out a wood, and at that time it actually was a wood, was Ruth Park, home of the fivesome. So that's what I knew about the game. And therefore, I was, I was bored out of my mind, and I remember falling asleep. But my grandfather, who I loved so dearly, he was my idol, uh, wanted to make sure that we got to the PGA Championship. And it was less than two months later at Bell Reve. And I went to it. And I remember sitting at the 17th hole, which used to have water, the par five, where I have a feeling you're going to hear a lot about that over the next few days. And just what I remember Nick Faldo was a name I remember seeing uh, coming and just being like, wow, it's so cool to see these guys, even though I have, you know, no real appreciation for the game at this point. Certainly that's changed a great deal over the last 26 years and in particular the last two years. But the reason why I tell that story is I remember for whatever reason, I remember Walking in, I guess I can picture the entry, because uh, I guess it's right at Ledoux and Mason. It was then. Uh, and, you know, thinking to myself, I hope I get to do this again with my grandfather. And, you know, now now 26 years removed and, you know, having a ballpark idea of how old my grandfather was at that time. Yeah, I mean, the, the, math, the math doesn't work. So this is mathematically is maybe as much of a downer as this might sound. Uh, it's also honest, and I want to be honest. Uh, this is the last time a lot of us will be able to experience something like this with our family members. And you might not be a golf fan, a hardcore golf fan, although if you're not and you're still listening to this, I, 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 you, need, you need some kind of counseling. But th- this, this will be something that is unique to this area, uh, and, and I, would, I would suggest that it, it should be much better than 92 because the game is in a much better spot since 1992. You've had Tiger Woods. Thrillingly, you'll have Tiger Woods at least for two days this week, but then you have a bunch of young charismatic players, many of whom are American and the game is in a great place. Uh, And, and finally for this market is Joe Buck said it on Mike Tirico's show vantage point last night when he was a guest with Ozzie Smith, you know, unfortunately with the Rams leaving, you know, from, from monster sporting events go, it, it's not like there are a, a lot of them at this moment coming through St. Louis. I'm still bullish on St. Louis turning around. Um, I do believe that. Uh, but at this moment, it's a significant, significant event for the St. Louis area, whether you're into golf or sports or not. It has a monster economic impact, and it's also very important to a large number of people. And I get a lot of people don't golf, and they find it to be snobby, or they hate it, or they don't like that they bitch about the greens, or whatever it is or they just don't want to hear a lot about it. It's a one-week thing. And for a lot of people, they do love it and are thrilled to see these players up close and personal. And what I'm telling you is, uh, in a matter of 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, you will look back and be like, God, there I was with my grandpa, my grandma, my mom, my dad, whomever, and we experienced this all together. And so, therefore... When you, when you hear a podcast that you like and they start shitting on Bell Reeve or you hear uh, Brandel Chambly or Frank Novello or David Duvall say the course is too soft and this championship deserves better, in 10 years you won't remember that. In 10 years you won't give a shit about it. As a matter of fact, I would suggest that you should in 10 minutes not even think about it from now. But the memories you'll have of being out there 
and or just watching it on television go, God, the best players in the world at this game that's trending up uh, were 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes or, you know, 10 minutes from where you grew up and now you're living in Chicago or New York or Boston or Dallas, Denver, wherever you might be, and they were here. And don't sweat the shit about the greens. Don't sweat the shit about, oh, it should have been in May. Don't worry about that. That, that. It's their job to give those observations. I think there's merit to it. I also think some of it's misguided, and I think some of it's overplayed because they didn't have anything to talk about for the first couple of days. Enjoy the moment if you can. Don't get into the bubbles on Twitter where you're just arguing with people, and it, there's just, what's the upside in that? Go out there. The weather's going to be beautiful and experience this with your family because you're going to have memories that just like me 26 years later will last a lifetime. There's my official PGA championship perspective for 2018. I thank all of our sponsors for making this possible. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com, James Carlton, James Carlton State Farm Insurance at 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. A good man who runs a great business is James Carlton, and they do all the work for you when you want to switch. So they make it so easy. It's James Carlton, James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. You call there, 314-961-4800. He prides himself on somebody answering the phone. That's why he has as large of a staff as he does, because it's old school, but it works for people. And what I have found over the last, I don't know, year, because I've gotten to know James over the last year, is I've had some questions pop up, and he'll just it's immediate. He texts me back, and I'm just like, God, I didn't know that. That's so helpful. He's He's got a fan in me for life at this point. I am all in on James Carlton. I recommend you be as well. 314-961-4800, 314-961-4800 online at carltoninsurance.net and Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, online 24 hours a day at landoff.com. They have that powertrain warranty that lasts forever, forever at Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. It's where my wife got her car. It's where we'll be getting our cars from now on. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet online at Landoff.com. There it is. I hope this provided perspective. I hope this provided information. And I hope my wagering instructions, while adding to people I'll be competing against in DraftKings, work out and we all make a good amount of cash this weekend. But deep down, I know I'm going to provide a minus 70% return, as I always do. And I apologize in advance for that, but I still love under 267 and a half, and I would shift the role on that. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to our sponsors. And don't forget, Mike Shannon is coming up next week on the Tim McKernan Show. Courtney Bryant this week. Ryan Kelly the previous week. Rich Gould the week before that. Joe Buck the week before that. Subscribe to this thing. Enjoy this thing. We get great interviews, and we bullshit, and I love doing it. Thank you to Gangster Pete for sitting in here and producing. Iggy for getting guests. And you for listening, and of course, all of our sponsors. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studio.